Father in heaven. What a difference it makes in our lives when we acknowledge that everything comes from you, even the very air that we breathe. Thank you for the way that your grace invades us each and every day. May we swim in it, revel in it, be reminded time and again what a joy it is when our lives are lived fully in you. And as we continue our worship this morning, Lord, we thank you that we can continue to learn and grow our roots deeper in Jesus Christ, especially during this Advent season, for all that you are, for all that you're doing, and for all that we can hope and, and, and rely on as it pertains to your promises. May we live holy in those as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Uh, great to have you here this morning. Um, before I get into content, I'm just, uh, I just want to ask if there's a few of you that could stay after the service and just pile chairs for us and, and help us clear out the room. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated um, after the service. Um, how many of you um, just, uh, or how, you know, how many of us, let's, let's, I'm going to include myself in this. How many of us feel that each and every day the world just seems to get crazier? Yeah, you just got, you know, it doesn't it, doesn't it just feel like that, that the world is getting crazier? Um, you know, um, you know, as, as churches, as people of God, we talk about how do, how do we influence people? How do we, how do we make a difference in the world? We're, you know, we're constantly talking about changing the world, making an influence, making a difference, touching people's lives and, and, and all of that. And, you know, uh, the way we are typically told to do that is to build relationships with people, right? There's no, there's no doubt that, you know, when we get face-to-face with people, when we're talking with people, when we get into the conversation, when we, when we you know, attempt to understand them a little better, it makes a difference in the way that, that those relationships and, and the difference that we can make and impact people uh, in their lives. Um, so that's the best way. There's no doubt that building relationships is the best way. Now, there's two other ways. That, you know, if you believe in something passionately and you want to change the world, there are two other ways to do that, um, apart from building relationships. Because what if you're distant? What if, what, if, what if you don't have that much influence? What if you're, you know, just a, an average person? How do you make, make the difference? There's, there's actually two other ways that you can do that. One is through violence. One is through violence. So you can be an individual, have an ideology, and decide to be violent with other people. Now, we're not advocating for any violence, and we're not uh, certainly supporting it and thinking that, um, because it's not biblical, you know, but there's another way that from a distance we can influence and we can make a difference and we can change the world and have a positive impact on the world that's around us. Because as believers, as as churches, as, as as people of God who believe in the gospel and believe that Jesus can make a difference in people's lives, how do we impact the culture around us? How do we touch people's lives when we're unable to build a relationship with every single person? We, we know relationships are the best, but there is another way that I want to talk about this morning. Um, we started last week uh, the series looking in the book of Daniel. 
And, and we said that Daniel is a really interesting book because Daniel is a young man who uh, got carted away into exile. He got, he got taken away into exile and, and lost everything that, that he grew up with and ended up in a foreign land. And not only that, but ended up in the service of the very king that destroyed his country. Okay? He became a part of a, a younger elite that was being trained to serve the very king that destroyed his country and, and carted them all away into exile. And we said last week, what was really interesting is that here is Daniel who has all these values, these, these, these cultural values, these biblical values that he was a believer, faithful to Yahweh, ends up in a culture and a society that doesn't honor his God. So how does he live with that tension? How does he, how does he make a difference you know, he's not, he's not, you know, brought into a personal relationship with the king. And yet, we see in the book of Daniel that he was able to influence uh, every king that he served under. He was, he was um, uh, in exile for 70 years. And there's a number of different kings that, that, that came into power. And Daniel served every one of them and served them well. And it's, it's, a, it's a powerful book, and it's a powerful story. It's got many life lessons for us, and this is what we're pulling out of it. How do we, in a culture that is antagonistic to Christian values, to biblical values, how do we live with that tension? How do we make a difference? How do we touch people's lives? And Daniel was able to do it. Because how many of us have ever said, I am just one person. I can't make any difference at all. There's nothing that I can do. I'm only one person. What, what could I possibly possibly do well in the bible there are many many stories of the difference that one individual was able to make and daniel is a, is a classic example so in the in in the book of daniel we have two kings in particular who made proclamations about god because of the influence that daniel was able to have over them and i'm going to take us backward through a really well-known story in the book of Daniel. And, that, and, and, and what I'm going to do is look at the second king who made a proclamation. And this proclamation that we're going to look at comes right after Daniel was saved miraculously out of the lion's den. And this is King Darius. First one was Nebuchadnezzar. Um, here we have King Darius. And, 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 and King Darius makes this proclamation after Daniel was saved out of the lion's den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. How many of us would love to hear our politicians make that kind of a proclamation? Right? But that's what Darius the king did after. Now, here's, here's, here's the contention I'm going to make this morning, is that what we end up doing when we read these miraculous stories in the Bible is we just read the miracle, and we miss the surrounding story or the events that led up to the miracle. And it's really important in the life of Daniel, because 
The trajectory in which Darius arrives at didn't just happen at the miracle of Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you know what Darius was doing the evening that Daniel was in the lion's den? Do you have any idea what he was doing? Do you know that the... Yeah. yeah. Were you in the first service? or No. Um, No, just kidding. Sorry, Dan. You would have known that. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Right? But, but it's interesting because the life of Daniel and the influence he was able to have on the kings, you know, didn't happen overnight. And yes, the miracle is a wonderful thing. God miraculously. But did you know that the miracle happened while Daniel was staring into the eyes of a lion? When we want a miracle, we want God to take us out of that particular situation altogether, don't we? But Daniel had to go in the lion's den. Had to stare at the lions overnight for the miracle to even transpire. That's the thing about God is God will bring you right to the very crisis. And that's where the miracle often happens is in the midst of that crisis. Now, what got Daniel into the lion's den is something very interesting is that, is that all the politicians, all the all the administrators and these people in power that knew Daniel hate, started to dislike him, hated him because of his faithfulness, because he was, he was so good at what he did. And they went to the king and they said, King, will you, do, will, you, will you enact a law that says that only you can worship the king? And if you don't worship the king, it's going to be, bring death. And, and the king, not thinking, went ahead with the law, put it into, you know, you know made it official... To the point that whenever a king in that day and age made a law, he himself could not take it back. He couldn't, you know, rescind it or get around it. It became law and it had to happen. So after he made the law, these, these politicians and administrators caught Daniel praying and, and, and worshiping Yahweh and went to the king and said, guess what? Daniel himself is going against your very decree you have to do something about it. And the text says that for the entire day, Darius, you know, I don't know if he called all the lawyers or all other administrators, tried to get around his own law, his own decree. And at the end, he said, you know what? I can't get around it. I have to put Daniel in the lion's den. There's no way around it. I have to enact my own law. Don't think he wasn't upset. Here's what he did during the night. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. That is really significant. The implication is that he's fasting all night is also that he's praying because that's what that culture did. Now, what does entertainment mean? What did he refuse? His harem. He refused any sexual gratification that night and didn't sleep the entire night. Now, now, very easy question. How important would you have to be to the king for him to do that? How important of a person would you have to be for a king to refuse every kind of pleasure, refuse sleep, and pray and fast Because he didn't want anything to happen to you. You know, we hear all the time, no one is irreplaceable. 
But it doesn't mean you stop trying. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you do everything in your power to do the very best you possibly can. Daniel was that valuable to the most powerful person on the planet at the time. So much so that he was up all night praying and fasting for Daniel. Why? 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 Here's, here's the passage near the beginning of the chapter. You know, if you, if you get some time this week and you want to read chapter 6, chapter 6 is really powerful. It's the story of Daniel and Life. But you can't miss these little cues all the way through that lead up to the miracle. Here in, in, in earlier part of, the, of, of, of Daniel, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Daniel is, Daniel is technically a slave. And yet he is so uh, gifted, he's so good at his job, that the most powerful person in the kingdom is about to make him a ruler over his empire, an administrator over his empire. What? Doesn't that rattle you? Doesn't that, doesn't that tell you that one person, for the right reasons, can make all the difference in the world? Here's, here's what made Daniel. Here's, here's, here's the deal with Daniel. Here's, here's the deal with Daniel. Daniel committed himself to being a servant. But here's, here's the rub with excellence. Daniel committed himself to being a servant, even to the culture that had enslaved him. He decided, he committed himself that he was going to be faithful as a servant. Not only just get by, not only do what was expected of him, but to do it with excellence. Now, I got to tell you, every time I talk, every time I mention the word excellence in church, everybody gets. (gasps) Excellence is not a bad word. You don't believe me. See, what I'm talking about when I talk about excellence, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about moments where we're going to stumble and fall. I'm not talking about moments where we're going to, you know, um, do everything so right and so pristine that we lose the emotion and the passion and, and the compulsion that comes with it. What I'm talking about is being committed to an excellence that says, this is the way God has gifted me, and I'm going to do my absolute best to honor God. That I'm going to give God my best. You see, that's the other deal about Daniel. Daniel didn't say, I am enslaved by these people. And, and, and so I'm going to work as a slave to these people. He said, no, no, no. I represent God, the living God. And that's who I work for. So what I do has to reflect the God that I worship. It doesn't matter the situation and the circumstance that I'm involved in. This is what God expects of me. And so I'm going to be faithful to God. See, that's a whole different mindset, isn't it? There's an entirely different mindset. That to do excellence is to do it for God. And it doesn't matter because, you know, frankly, we're very good. 
Other people I know are very good at excuses. Right? But where do excuses get us in the long run? Right? Daniel served the very people that enslaved him, and he did it with excellence because he served God. And ultimately, that was a reflection of the God that he served. And so he did everything in his power to represent God well. Now, here's, here's the beautiful thing about the Bible. Here's the beautiful thing about the Bible. You can, if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Okay? It's a beautiful thing about the Bible. The Bible encourages us to do our very best for God. Okay? But here's the danger of excellence. The danger of excellence is if we do it just because we want to be excellent, you know, that, that's an invitation to pride. It's an invitation to arrogance. It's an invitation to elitism, that we're better than all that kind of stuff. That's why the Bible is so beautiful, because the Bible talks about humility. The Bible has the counter to all of that, that we do it in humble service, that we do it for God, that we do it with a sense of compassion, we do it with a sense of mercy, we do it with a sense of the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, right? Who sacrificed himself for you and I. That's the, that's, that's the beautiful kind of picture that the Bible gives us, that we do our very best for God, right? I have, a, I have a joke of my students, and they absolutely hate me for it, but a Christian should never be labeled with the three L's. You know what the three L's are? Lazy, late, or lame. That's the three L's. Ouch, right? Students give me a hard time. Lazy, late, or lame, okay? That's not what Christians should be labeled as. Right? Okay? We have a responsibility before God. Right? That's, that's the reality. That's the reality. You know, this, this, this wonderful gift that we're given for the glory of God in order to demonstrate what God has done in our lives. Right? You hate the three L's, don't you? Yeah. My students hate the three L's too. Right? Especially the ones that always come in um, just in time for the first break. Because they're always late. Anyway. Yeah. I know. Anyone who teaches know, know those students, right? Exactly. But that's the beautiful thing about, about, about Daniel. Daniel chose to serve and to do it with excellence. And that's the difference it made. And Daniel, for the 70 years that he's in exile, he gets noticed by every single king that he serves under. And every one of them elevate him to a higher station, elevate him to a higher station because he serves so well. And here's a person who is actually enslaved by this country um, and, and, and brought into higher and higher and higher um, places of government because of the kind of job that he does. What if? You know, what, what if? What if? What if? What if you were a boss and, be, and because you were a Christian, everyone clamored to work for you? What if? Because they knew to work for you meant that they were going to get treated fairly, that they were going to get treated justly, that they were going to be paid fairly. That, you know, what if? What if? What if your son and, or daughter. Okay, started dating somebody, 
And the family came to you and said, you know what? We were really worried about our son and daughter dating your son or daughter. But once we found out that you guys were believers, we're good. We think it's great. What if? What if you're at school and, you know, the teacher puts you together to do a project, you know, four or five of you, you know, sometimes... You get that. And, and, and everybody goes, oh, you're a, you're a believer, aren't you? Oh, we're good. Everything's going to be okay because we have a Christian. What if? What if? What if whatever line of work or anything that you're in, that people just knowing that you're a Christian makes all the difference in the world because they know that coming from you is a sense of excellence, sense of fairness, sense of grace, sense of compassion, that you're going to do your absolute best because of who you serve, not by what you do. Imagine. Would it make a difference? See, Daniel affected the culture, first and foremost, by doing an excellent job to the very people he committed himself to. To serve. Now, that's a very uncomfortable message, isn't it? It's a highly uncomfortable message. But that's why Daniel got to where he is. And it wasn't until he committed himself to serve with excellence that the relationship began to build. And he got noticed to the point where, you know, even, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but the miracle of Daniel in the lion's den is just the, the, the it's just the bow on, on the, a whole story of Daniel's life. It's not just that miracle. It's just the bow on the entire story. Daniel committed himself first and foremost to what every believer should commit first and foremost, to serving, to serving God with excellence. Okay? What difference should that make in your life? Ask yourself, if I was to commit this area of my life in the way that Daniel did, what kind of difference do you think it would make to the people around you? What difference would it make to the community around you? What difference would it make to the country around us? As churches who have lost the influence in our culture because we're known more about what we're against rather than being known for a community of excellence because we serve people well and care for people well. I was really struck by, um, by our survey, our one-question survey, if, if, um, if, if, if you didn't hear what Matt had to say, because overwhelmingly the community was, was what people come back to Village Green for. And one of the characteristics that was, you know, number three characteristic was uh, that we are a caring community. I was really encouraged by that. I was really excited by that. Because I think it's, I think in many ways, it's the heart of Daniel. But imagine, imagine with the Joy Store and some of the other things that we're doing at Christmas time, that we extend that to the community around us and what a difference it'll make. Let the light shine. Right? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge of Daniel.
boy, it's, um, it really is something to see his life, especially in circumstances that many of us would have been so uncomfortable with. And yet Daniel didn't allow that to overtake his belief in God and the responsibility that it bore on him. Thank you, Lord, for this community and for so many that we're aware of who live out the faith of Daniel, who make a difference in so many people's lives. Help us, Lord, as we wrestle through our life each and every day in a culture that continues to be antagonistic to the very things that we believe. And yet we shouldn't be distressed because what a great opportunity for us to show the gospel and the heart of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name we ask. Amen.